Hello, Bengals fans. It's the 2021 schedule release and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast episode going over the schedule with you all. I'm Anthony Cazenza, joined by my partner in crime, John Sheeran. We've got a lot to dissect, a lot to talk about, my friend. How you doing? That was a, there was a lot of energy in that hey, intro. I'm hyped, I need, I, need to try to, I need to try to match that now. <laughs> I'm hyped. I'm hyped. I've had, maybe I've had too much caffeine today. Maybe that's the problem. I don't know. But I'm hyped. You know, this is one of the bigger days on the NFL calendar, particularly in the offseason. You've got free agency, you've got the draft, and then, of course, the schedule release. And in what order the Bengals will be. We knew who they'd be playing. We knew whether it'd be home or away. And now we know in what chronological order that will be in. So, uh, hey, we're going to talk and give our thoughts. We're going to try and get to a lot of comments and whatnot in the live chats, whether you're joining us on the Cincy Jungle Facebook page, the Orange and Black Insider YouTube channel, uh, the Cincy Jungle live Twitter account, or our OBI live Twitter account. Thanks for joining us live. We appreciate you tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to those channels, not only to get our show, but to get the other great work from Ace and Zim. We're going to be teaming up with them and probably Matt Minnick as well, who does Chalk Talk for some listener questions this uh, Friday afternoon. So join us for that. And we'll talk more about the schedule and how things are all playing out going forward there. But um, appreciate all the support and let's kind of get to it, John, if you are ready. Uh, I guess we should start with what, what we know in terms of the Bengals schedule and what order they will be playing in. This is on, I'm going to share my screen here here is the cincinnati Bengals 2021 schedule and this is on cincyjungle.com here you can see week one and we'll we'll, we're going to dissect all of this but we want to run it through with everybody as all of this is being unveiled maybe some of you are watching some telecasts while you're tuning in to us but john first month of the sea of the season you've got you host the vikings in the home opener at Chicago Bears week two at Pittsburgh Steelers week four. The only, as of now, the only primetime game against the Jacksonville Jaguars pitting Joe Burrow versus Trevor Lawrence, the number one pick this year. Let's just kind of take a quick break there. That snapshot of that first month. What are you, what are you feeling there? So it's definitely on the lighter side, I guess, when you look at what teams are projected to be good and bad. Um, Again, it's May. And usually every year we do this, right? We look at the schedule and think, no, okay, we have a decent idea which teams are going to be good and bad. And we have a decent prediction about the record. But it is May. There's four months to go. And we don't know exactly what these teams are going to be looking like. I guess the Bears stand out initially because you're thinking, who's going to be that quarterback? Is it going to be a a revenge game again for Andy Dalton, who played against them last year with the Cowboys? Is it going to be Justin Fields' first start? Or is it going to be Fields' second start? Is he going to start out of the gate, out of the gate for the Bears? We don't know. Pittsburgh at, on, on the road in week three. I think that really stands out to me because like it could be still like the Steelers are, I guess, a competent team and maybe the maybe the rails fall off towards the end of the season and they play them, I think, in week 12. Maybe at that point during the season, the Steelers are still somewhat formidable and I guess could be a challenge when the Bengals play them on the road. And then to have a short week to, have a short week to play Trevor Lawrence in prime time at home, like, on paper, going against the, Jacks- the Jacksonville Jaguars at home, not that intimidating, but that short, that short week factor does, I think, have somewhat of an impact there, especially playing the Steelers just four, four days prior. Like, how banged up 
is the team going to be? Is that game going to be tougher than it looks initially on paper? So there's definitely opportunities against the Vikings and Bears that the Bengals should, at the very minimum, be competitive in those games. And I think it does get interesting as you enter the later part of September and then going into October where they have one, two, three consecutive road games in the month of October. Yikes, yikes, yikes. <laughs> and of course you are you are referencing the weeks six through eight. So let's go there. Five, six, seven, eight. Packers at Lions, at Ravens, at Jets. So all of a sudden that becomes kind of a treacherous stretch of games, depending on what happens with Green Bay, obviously, Aaron Rodgers. But you've got uh you know, you've got some other potentially winnable games. Detroit, who knows how good they're gonna be at this point. The Jets still look like they're in rebuilding mode. The Ravens will be very tough. The Packers, depending on the quarterback situation, should be tough. So another rough stretch. Good call on the three straight road games, weeks six through eight. And then, of course, week nine and ten, you've got the Browns and at the Raiders. And then you've kind of got a close to midseason by week 11, especially now that there's an additional game on the on the schedule. You've got week 12 hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers. You host, you've got three home games in a row, Steelers, Chargers, 49ers, and all of those could be just absolute coin flip, wild card type of games, depending on how things play out. But then you go at Denver, you host Baltimore, you host Kansas City, and then you finish on the road, do the Cincinnati Bengals at Cleveland. So we now have we knew that the we knew the opponents we knew where the venue was going to be we didn't know in what order that kind of seems like the front month is kind of has a potential for the team to get off to a pretty decent start you've got kind of a rough middle bump there in weeks five through eight and then uh you know right before the bye couple of couple of games that you can win same with weeks 12 through potentially 14, depending on what kind of 49ers team you're getting. And then, you know, and 15 potentially too, depending on their quarterback situation. And then of course you've got three really tough games at the end of the season there. So that is the Bengals schedule. You can catch this. This is on cincyjungle.com. Of course it's on bangles.com and other websites there, but this is the schedule. It's on cincyjungle.com there. The one thing I want to bring up, John, and a lot of people are talking about it in the live chat, and I wanted to talk about it because it is a pertinent conversation is the strength of opposition or the strength of schedule for the Cincinnati Bengals. I found this one. This is on Twitter here that it was an interesting graph, depending on who you've at or who, where I've looked and who one asks, it appears that the Bengals are anywhere from four, having the fourth to the sixth toughest schedule based on winning percentages of teams from last year. You can see the graph here. Just kind of, you know, this one puts them at fourth. I've seen them at fifth or sixth. This is uh, courtesy of at Mr. Case B, who goes by Sebastian um, using the at DK Sportsbook and kind of doing a little bit of his own uh, gathering of data there. But for the most part, John, the Bengals are in that top five toughest schedule range. And this is coming off of two seasons with basically six and a half wins pretty concerning right and i think there is a debate about how useful previous year strength of schedule is um because teams they they like that, that's what the nfl is there's, there's a lot of parity right there's a lot of opportunities for teams to either bounce back from bad seasons 
or to regress from the season before. So great example. They play two games against the Steelers, who I believe won 11 games last year. Well, they're over under right now on Vegas on most books, eight and a half. They're expected to take a step back. And I, I think that's just like the, the most the most glaring example. We have Malik Wright of the Right Way Sports Network in, the, in our chat saying the Bengals are going to sweep the Steelers. Well, this is certainly a decent year to do that because Steelers are just one of the, those teams that are about to probably hit regression in somewhat of a hard way. And then you also have the Green Bay Packers who made the conference championship last year for the NFC. We don't even know who's their quarterback right now, right? Like the whole Aaron Rodgers situation is very much in the air. So I guess the Bengals got pretty lucky to be able to face them pretty early in the season because like we don't know what's going on with that. We don't know if Rodgers is going to sit out. We don't know if Jordan loves is going to start from the season and that would be his fifth start of the year. So that, that whole situation is very much in flux. And even if Rodgers does play, I, I don't believe he's ever won in Paul Brown stadium. I think this will be his second opportunity to do so. The last one was in 2013 with that miraculous game. But then there's also, you have a lot of not so good teams, right? You have the jets, you have the Jaguars, you have the Lions, who are projected to be a top five worst team in the NFL. You have the the Raiders who are, I think are right now are about seven wins on the over under. So it, it's a lot of balance and mix. And I think that's, my overall biggest takeaway. A lot of their toughest games are at home and at the end of the season. And a lot of their easier games against easier opponents, I, I think are on the road towards the beginning of the season. So it's a mm-hmm. lot of mix. It, it's not like you have cupcake teams coming to Cincinnati playing against a fully healthy Joe Burrow and you don't have a lot of tough teams on the road. Obviously, any AFC North game on the road is going to be tough. And I think, you know, at finishing the season at Cleveland and, um, you know, going at Baltimore after going at Detroit is, is going to be tough as well. But like, I think for the most part, this is a very balanced schedule. And I think the the, the mid season, I, I believe the buy is week ten. I, I think we wrote on Cincinnati Jungle that it's week eleven, but I believe it's officially week ten. So it's before that um, that Raiders game out in Las Vegas. But I think that was my one biggest takeaway. There's no like clear part of the schedule that's too easy or too difficult because you have differences in competition. Um, away and from uh, Paul Brown Stadium. The other interesting, I mean, it has really nothing to do too much with the Cincinnati Bengals, or at least it's kind of an arm's length away, is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who just came off of a Super Bowl win, have one of, if not the easiest strength of schedule in the NFL. Here on this graph here, the metrics that Sebastian used have them at the fifth easiest schedule, but some others place them as basically having the the easiest schedule. So that's an, an interesting situation. And look, we know at this point here, John, at this point in the season, we don't know about injuries. We don't know about team chemistry. We don't know what coaches are for real guys coming back from injury. You know, when you're talking about a Joe Burrow and, and Trey Hopkins for the Cincinnati Bengals, or if you're looking at the Cowboys, Dak Prescott, the situation with green Bay, all of a sudden these teams kind of be, get a little bit in flux, but uh, you know, things can change, but it really presents an interesting set of circumstances, not only for the Bengals in terms of the strength of schedule, but also for the Super Bowl champs. It's just odd how that played out. Yeah. And it's, it's so much dependent upon because the, the rotation of the schedules is dependent on the, the rotation of divisions. Right. So, I mean, sometimes you can be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and you can go to the Super Bowl and you can win and have this amazing year and then you end up, you know, playing whatever divisions that you have to in your rotation. It just so happens that the Bengals are facing the the NFC North this year, which has the Packers, and which is weird because, yeah, like now that I think about it, that's the, the, the other three teams in that division: the, the Lions, Bears, 
and the Vikings, they aren't that intimidating. They, they didn't do that well last year. I guess the Bears were somewhat close to the playoffs, or hell, they, they made the playoffs and lost to, to the Saints. So it, it, it's weird how that kind of works out, right? And I, th- I think the Bengals have consistently in the last, at least in recent memory, they've always had more uh, tougher schedules on paper before the season happens. And I think that's just kind of the, the luck or the unluck of the draw of how mm-hmm. you know divisions rotate in, in terms of who they play. And I guess they, you know, like this is technically a last place schedule because they finished fourth in the AFC North and that's how they get opportunities to play. I, I think the Jets and, and, and another bad team in the AFC, but still like the AFC North is really tough. Like you had three teams go to the playoffs there. That's all. That's always going to yep. skew your strength of, strength of competition in the other direction. And it, it, it's not, and I think that's the problem that a lot of people have with the schedule because you have, this consistent rotation between AFC and NFC teams. And you never got to see consistently, you know, Brady and Rogers match up. And that's just, unfortunately the nature of the schedule. And sometimes you have teams like the Bengals coming off bad seasons, facing teams on paper, looking pretty good. The AFC North is one of, if not the toughest division in football. I think there's always an argument to be made, even if the Bengals aren't that great at certain points in time, if the Browns aren't that great at certain points in time, if the Steelers are in their present state where, yeah, they're coming off a double-digit win season, but they seem to be in a little bit of a state of decline or at least stasis. Uh, so, you know, I, the AFC North is, is a grind. We know that. And especially late in the season there, it, it can be tough. So just so I'm clear, there was a little bit of a typo on the uh, the schedule in terms of where the buy was there. So thanks for clarifying that. We saw to you, John, as well as some of the people in the live chat. Appreciate that. But we're going to go next since we're talking about the AFC North. Look at that segue. Love it. We're going we're gonna to go and have everybody take a look at the schedules for each of those teams. Now, there's going to be a lot of similarities because divisions play specific divisions, but I think it's worth noting, at least as a Bengals fan, to have that in the periphery to see what other teams will be doing, what they will be facing, because they're going through the same discussions right now, or at least their fans are going through the same discussions right now as we all are in terms of, hey, is this a win? Is this a loss? Oh, that's a tough stretch. That's an easy stretch, that sort of thing. So let's start with everybody's favorite team, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and this is on Steelers.com. Here you go right here. The 2021 schedule of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Let's see here. You've got some of the preseason games right there. And then you've got week one at Buffalo. Hard, hard game to start with. If you are the Pittsburgh Steelers, then you host the Las Vegas Raiders. Then they host the Bengals. They are at Green Bay. Another tough game for them. They host the Broncos host the Seahawks. They've got their bye pretty early. They are at Cleveland, host the Bears, host the Lions, at Los Angeles to face the Chargers. Then they are then they go right back on the road to face the Bengals right after that. They go and host the Ravens. So that's a that's a pretty rough stretch for them right there weeks 11, 12 and 13 depending on how good and how improved the Bengals are. That's kind of a rough stretch between travel and teams face two division teams in 3 weeks there. You've got week 14 at Minnesota. Uh, hosting the Titans, that's not an easy game. At Kansas City, uh, hosting the Browns. Look at that that final month there, John. Uh, Hosting Tennessee, at Kansas City, hosting Cleveland, who should be a good team, and then at Baltimore to finish the season. That's the Steelers' schedule there. Rough last month for them. I mean, the Bengals and Steelers both play the Chiefs 
and two AFC North teams in the final three weeks. Like I, I mentioned this on Twitter, like for, I guess for the Bengals' sake, they're either going to be good and they're going to be competitive in those in those games, or there's not going to be a dead cat bounce. And I think that this might be the same for the Steelers, right? Because we, like we think they're not going to be as good, and but at that point in the season, like they're either still going to be the Steelers and still going to be in the playoff race, or they're going to get embarrassed in those final three weeks. I don't see them matching up with the Chiefs at all. Like the Browns embarrassed them in the playoffs last year. The Ravens are probably still better than them this year. So they pro- they're probably going to go. They're probably going to get off to an, an 0-1 start when they face the Bills, and then they have to play the Bengals in Week Three. That's going to be such an interesting matchup because, again, the identity of both teams is still a little bit unknown, and we don't know exactly, you know, what Ben Roethlisberger we're, we're going to get. I think we're all secretly hoping that it, the, the arm is finally going to theoretically fall off, or maybe even <laughs> literally in this case. But yeah, like, like, and, and I get, I guess you can throw in the Titans there too, right before the Chiefs. So if they're expecting to make yep. a playoff push, that's going to be tough as hell. Well, play playoffs and postseason notwithstanding, the Steelers usually make their make their mark in November and or December. And when you've got at LA Chargers, who everybody thinks they're going to be an improved team. At the Bengals, a lot of people think they're going to be improved. How much? We'll see. Then you've got, you know, two games against the Ravens. You're at Minnesota. You've got, I mean, it's just, that's that's a treacherous uh, last couple of months for the Steelers there at a time when they usually try and shine. So uh, we'll see what happens to your point, John. We'll see what happens there in those past, uh, the last four to eight games there. Let's move on. That was the Steelers' schedule, so let's move on to the mistake by the lake, the Cleveland Browns' schedule, and this is on clevelandbrowns.com. They announced the schedule. Here you go, a little bit of a different look and layout than the Steelers' website had, but they start at Kansas City, so they have a very tough game to start off with as well. They host Houston, host Chicago at Minnesota, at LA to face the Chargers. They host the Cardinals. That'll that should be a fun game just in general to watch based on all of the talent amassed on those two teams. You've got the Thursday night game against Denver. Uh, I think Cleveland should probably handle business there unless Denver uh, does surprises po- folks with the quarterback position. On Halloween, they have the Steelers at home and then they go to Cincinnati. They go to New England. Who knows how tough of a game that'll be this next year. And then, of course, they've got the Lions at Baltimore. Their bye is a little later in week 13. Then they've got the Ravens, the Raiders at Green Bay, at Pittsburgh, and then they're home with the Bengals. Another tough stretch of the final three games. They're really kind of a tough stretch of the last group of games after the bye week in weeks 14 through 18 for the Browns. Playing at Green Bay on Christmas, if Aaron Rodgers is playing there, I mean, he's not going to be missing his family, I guess. So that might not be great for the Browns in that situation. Um, Yeah, and then finishing with two straight division games. It's weird seeing January 9th. um, I guess that's a date that Bengals fans don't really like that much, but it's weird seeing Mm -hmm. that a a part of the schedule. And that thank you, John. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, like the entire FC North, I feel like they just like they have a lot of tough matchups, you know, playing the NFC mm-hmm. North and um, who's the AFC West, too. So, like, yep. when do they when do they play the Chargers? They play the Chargers week five, right? They play the Chargers so, week week five in LA, yeah, yeah, in, in LA, and and that's after they go to 
to Mike Zimmer's Vikings. So Chargers are very interesting. I want to see how they match up. I believe that they play the Steelers on Sunday night as, as well. Like I think the Bengals played them a little bit later in the year. So I think they're going to get opportunities to see the Chargers play other AFC North teams like Justin Herbert. Like that offense has a lot of potential. Now they have a rebuilt offensive line. I think that's going to be a closer game than it might look on the Vegas lines initially. The Browns, like the, it's hard, it's hard to, you know, to realize, but like they're pretty good. And I think they're projected to win at least at least 10 games, even against the schedule. They might start 0-1 against the Chiefs, but they're playing the Texans in week one. So that's that's a one-on-one start. And then they, they host the Bears, they go out the Vikings. It's very possible that they um you know come out of the gate you know, the first five or six games with at least four wins. And then, then I guess their schedule gets a little bit harder, just like the Bengals at the in the back half of the schedule. And Maybe the Steelers have some type of revenge for them. Like maybe the Steelers have revenge for the Bengals for what they for what they did to them last yeah. year. So, like the Browns, they're they're pretty good, and I, I don't see them losing a, a ton of games on the schedule. The it's it's funny to me that weeks before we move on to the Ravens, and then of course we'll do a deep dive into the Bengals schedule and each of the games there. But it's interesting to me, John, when I look at weeks five and six on this schedule for the Browns. And I look at the Chargers side of the fence, the Cardinals side of the fence. It seems to me that those two games for the three teams involved, the Browns, the Chargers, and the Cardinals, those are kind of barometer games, right? Like it's kind of, those are kind of games where you say, okay, how, how good are we really? Because a lot of people, again, think the Chargers are going to be improved, but how much have they improved if they're able to beat a Browns team who, you know, made it past the first round of the playoffs last year at home? That's a good win for them. Same with the Cardinals, a team that was kind of making a playoff push then fell off at the end last year. You know, a a team that a lot of people kind of think they're a sexy pick this year. I I don't know. I just kind of look at those two games and I say those are kind of barometer games for three teams involved. The Cardinals especially, like, that's that's actually really interesting. Week six, I I don't know if, like, Cliff Kingsbury is going to be on the hot seat. Um, He's in year three with the Cardinals, just like, I guess, Zach Taylor's in year three. And he's he's in – you're three with this quarterback too. Like they have to mm-hmm. start getting the wheels r- rolling in that division. And like, that could be a time where if they are really bad and the Browns just embarrass them, that might be the game that, that cliff gets, gets uh, canned, I guess. But that's also uh, the JJ Watt game as well. I think Watt yeah. was connected to the Browns in free agency. So now he's going to have a chance to, to, to play them um, at home as well uh, in Cleveland. So, and then Thursday night against the Broncos and other, kind of a wild card team we don't know if they're going to be decent or just flat out terrible because of the whole quarterback situation but Steelers Bengals at Patriots and like you said we don't know if the Patriots are going to be good with either Cam Newton or Mac Jones under center but it, it's not it's not really an easy stretch in, in, in that part of the season nope it is not it is not so and to your point too about the Cardinals they too the NFC NFC West is a difficult division too at, at present time so you know, they've they got to make their own road there, too. Let's finish up before we dive back into the Bengals schedule and the 17 games on their schedule. Let's take a look at the Baltimore Ravens. Here's a little graphic here. Week one. This is on BaltimoreRavens.com. Week one. They are on Monday night football. Uh, so, you know, so uh, they go. I think that's. In Las Vegas, correct? Yeah. Um, yeah. So in Las Vegas, they host the Chiefs to Detroit in week three. Uh, and then they go to Denver, home for the Colts, 
a very intriguing game there in week five. Uh, home for the Chargers, home for the Bengals. So they get three straight at home there between the Colts, the Chargers, and the Bengals. Three games that could potentially be difficult for them, but maybe become you know significantly easier since they get all three of those at home in a row. Then they've got a buy. So their their second month, they're kind of cruising. You know, three home games and a buy. That's that's a pretty good situation for them at least right in the middle of the of the season potentially you know if they're experiencing some injuries at the midway point they could potentially get healthy there and then they uh host again the vikings so geez i mean you've got three home games a bye if i'm reading this right three home games a bye and another home game (laughs) uh and then uh they go to miami to chicago they host cleveland they go to Pittsburgh, then they go to Cleveland, then they host Green Bay, they go to Cincinnati, host the Rams, another very interesting game on their schedule, and then they host the Steelers to finish up the season. So there's there's kind of like like just like streakiness to their schedule, it seems. Yeah, that's a bit odd. Like I, I'm, I, I don't know if I'm reading this. Like I don't think they have necessarily the, the home and aways like listed. On that graphic, I feel like this well, is, uh, yeah, it's it's underlined in the if you see here the the gold oh. says away and then the white uh, underlined in white says home. So that's how I'm reading it. Right. Kind of a weird graphic how they did that. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't. I feel like it's not easy on the eyes, I guess. But I I, I think just reading through that. Um, now see see I'm I'm reading this like they're they're at Detroit week three they're at Denver week four. Oh, okay. All right. So they, yeah, they do have four. Wow. I, I don't know how that happened in the in, when they made the schedule, but I guess if they have three road games to start the first four weeks, I guess that's where they get that I kind bet, of yeah. leeway. Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't know that just reading through that, it sounds, it just feels like that's the easiest schedule out of all four teams. And I think they're also projected to win the most games out of any, any division team right now. I think they're over unders about 10 or 10 and a half. But like, if they just get out of week four with two wins, which they can easily get against the Raiders and the Lions, they can more or less cruise between weeks five and nine. And they're coming off that bye week and coming off a potentially a, a home win against Minnesota. They're in the they're in the driver's seat when they answer in November, and they they go at Miami at Chicago. There's probably a win there. Um, they they face the Steelers twice in the last six weeks. They face, I guess, the Browns and the Bengals uh, two times as well. So four of their last six games are inside the division and they host two tough teams in the Packers and the Rams. So that they're in a, they're in a position if they're, if they're improving on offense and they're passing the ball consistently with Lamar Jackson, I, I, they kind of seem like the favorites to win the division based off the schedule. I don't know if I'm reading too much into that. Well, I, the, the, I, the interesting thing aside from the, Streak of away games, streak of home games, kind of to start the season. You look at you look at the last seven games. Five of them are in the division: two against Cleveland, two against Pittsburgh, and one against Cincinnati. All all in the final seven games there. So a lot, very very division heavy at the end of their schedule for the Baltimore Ravens. So, uh, but but some games, kind of the one off games that other team other teams in the division aren't facing. You know, your Colts, your Miami. Two other games that are also kind of barometer games. I would say more so for Indy and Miami than Baltimore, but a lot of people think Miami's going to be strong depending on the development of Tua. And then, of course, Indy 
how good is Carson Wentz going to be in a new change of scenery and, and, you know, reunited with, with his coach and all of that, who knows, but I think they're, uh, you know, those are kind of some barometer games. If you want to use that term for, for at least those two teams, Miami and Indy and maybe Baltimore too. Hey, if we want to throw out the trap game card, they go, they host Indy, they host Los Angeles right before the bye week They host the Bengals. Yep. Like the Bengals and Ravens, it was typically competitive towards the end <coughs> excuse me, of the Marvin Lewis era. Ever since Zach Taylor's gotten here, it's been completely one-sided ever since Zach Taylor got here. And the whole the whole dynamic of the rivalry has turned on its head. Like that is an opportunity. I think it's if not the toughest game on the Bengals schedule, it's one of the two toughest games on the schedule. Like they have not stopped at all Lamar Jackson ever since he became the starter. There's been games where they've limited him. Um, I think there was one where they limited him last year and that was the game that Burrow got roughed up and they still lost by like 30 points. Right, and, right, yeah. And, and Don Martindale like got mad because they kicked a field goal at the very end. Like, e- e- Regardless of what happens, the Bengals have for the past two years have always been on the wrong side of a blowout with the Ravens. Now they have, now that they're, they're going to be their third home game in a row right before a mid middle of the season bye week. I think that's a chance for the Bengals to make a statement and keep that game competitive because like they have to be tired of getting thrashed by this team. And, and that team has only gotten better. They've only added weapons. They added two receivers in the draft. They added Sammy Watkins. Who knows if, how big of a role he's going to play if, he, if he's even going to stay healthy, but like they didn't really, you know, re- regress this offseason. And it really is up to Lamar Jackson to take the next step. But regardless of how he is as a passer, the Bengals can't stop his legs, man. Like they, they've had one or two games where they've been able to contain him somewhat. But when he gets on, he destroys the Bengals consistently. That is a, that is a potential to be a trap game, or it's just the potential for the dynamic to stay exactly how it's been for the last two years. Yeah, it's that one's been pretty lopsided. You know, the Bengals in, under Zach Taylor snuck one uh, against Cleveland in the first year of Zach Taylor's tenure. They they pounded the Steelers last year on Monday Night Football. And I think at least one other was relatively close against Pittsburgh in the Zach Taylor era, whereas basically none of them have been close against the Ravens under Zach Taylor. So, And like you said, even when they held Lamar in check, it was like still ungodly what, <laughs> what happened to him. So we're going to get into the Bengals' schedule and talk about each game there. We've gone through the division. We we brought you the Bengals schedule here. So we're, we're going to talk more about that. Before we do, we want to tell you about our good friends over at Symbol, John. S-I-M-B-U-L-L. The, uh, basically, the stock market for sports. And you can trade sports teams like stocks and you earn cash when your teams win. Unfortunately, this graphic that you are seeing right now where the Sim Bengals value at $25 a share, that has probably gone up a little bit there. So we probably got to update that. But it's still, I, I saw some information they put out on their Twitter account, did Symbol, and uh, the Bengals weren't still one of the more astronomical teams to buy out there at this point in time. But the website, and I'll let you tell us a little bit more about it, John, S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot A-P-P slash O-B-I. You get a $10 deposit when you sign up using the promo code O-B-I. It is interesting how I'm looking at the graph of the price for the Sim Bengals. It reached a peak of $64 right after the draft on April 30th. And mind you, we just had a show right before the draft, and we had a show during the draft as well. 
and that price peaked. On May 6th, which was the day after our last Wednesday show, the price was $62. So it took a slight dip in that week, but then went back up to 62 mm. And ever since then, it's dropped to $44. So are we going to see a spike again after this show when we talk about the Sim Bengals? I don't know if we are moving the market with our propaganda or whatever. Maybe this is just great advertisement to just put money in the symbol. But again, if you guys want to want to sign up for symbol and not only invest in the Sim Bengals, but any professional sports team in America, you can use the promo code OBI when you visit the link in our description and on the screen, www.symbol.app. That's www.simbull.app. Use the promo code OBI for a ten for a ten dollar deposit bonus and get in on the Sim Bengals before it jumps up to sixty bucks again. Absolutely, absolutely. And if you are a fantasy football guru, if you play the stock market, if you do both, one or the other, it's a good good thing to add to your repertoire is symbol so check it out use the promo code obi get that deposit bonus of ten dollars support for this show comes from sylvan learning as a parent you want your child to have every opportunity but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge that takes a team now more than ever educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. John... Uh, let's go back and discuss the the Bengals schedule. We'll pull it up here in just a second. Uh, I, I guess before we kind of go game by game, and we'll we'll try and be as brief as possible with it. Initial, I, you, you said some initial thoughts about the first month, but uh, any other initial things that kind of strike you about this schedule before we hop into each game here? I, I think it, it, again, it's like. It's good that they face the the lesser teams on the schedule initially because it's so important, I think, for Zach Taylor and his coaching staff to come out of the gate not sluggish, at least be competitive, be around 500 uh, leading up to that bye week. If things get if things end up getting ugly against, I guess, the Bears, the Jaguars, the Jets, the Lions, if they only win like one of those games, it's hard to see them being competitive in those other games, and it's hard to really see any confidence with this team in this coaching staff and who knows what's going to happen from there. So it's good that they get more of the, the softer teams to start off. And then again, it's weird because Steelers chargers, 49ers, Ravens, chiefs, Browns. That's that's like six or seven of their last eight games. And most of them are at home. So they have the chance to, if they just get through the first 11 weeks and yes, there's some tough games in there, but for the most part, a lot of winnable games compared to how other teams are going to be. If they get at least, you know, around 500, 
they have the chance to really prove themselves against some of these quality teams because they're going to be at home. Hopefully things will start clicking for them. They can get in sync and they're going to have the support of the crowd against some of these really good teams. And that's something that, that this team and this crop of young players, they didn't have that experience last year. They only had a stadium filled with about five or 10,000 people. I think the stadiums are going to be filled at, at very least by then. So they're going to have that type of dynamic and aspect that they weren't really used to. And they're going to need it when they face the Ravens and Chiefs to close out the season. Well, and our, our good buddy Optic Blast here says, don't worry about brevity, Anthony. We got nowhere to go. Okay, well, good to know. We'll, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll make note of that. Okay, so I think now, John, correct me if I'm wrong, this is the correct schedule that we are showing now in terms yes. of the bye week and all of that good stuff there. Okay, so – uh, let's, let's look at this first month of the season. We'll go in Minnesota Vikings. I guess the interest there for, for a lot of people would be, you know, uh, the Bengals have Trey Waynes. They've got Riley reef. Mackenzie Alexander has bounced back and forth on both of these teams over the past couple of years here. Uh, this seems though, overall, like a game that will probably be tight, but one that maybe the Bengals can can win, depending on the health of Joe Burrow, depending on the health of Trey Hopkins, CJ Uzama, all of these players. And really, this game, as with every game on the schedule, is all about how quickly and how much the Bengals have grown up over really since late last season through the offseason and training camp and up to week one. It's also interesting because I don't know if you guys have, have seen the video of Justin Jefferson essentially praising Joe Burrow and criticizing his own quarterback, Kirk Cousins. But Justin Jefferson is the number one receiver now for the Vikings. That's the first game on the schedule. Maybe that whole soundbite business will be out of their minds four months later after the fact. But I guess that is the storyline. It's both these offenses with really talented receiving cores, you know, and and potentially improved offensive lines. It might might be a shootout, which I don't think would be in Mike Zimmer's preference, but this is Mike Zimmer's first time coming back to Cincinnati in a regular season game. They played the Vikings, I believe, in 2016 in the preseason, but this is the first time Zimmer makes his official regular season homecoming to Cincinnati with a defense that was about average last year, and they didn't really make a lot of improvements on that side of the ball, but it's still a Mike Zimmer coach defense, and they do a lot of things to confuse opposing quarterbacks with different blitzes and different schemes. And this is hopefully Joe Burrow's first game back in, in the case that he is ready for week one. And they still have Danielle, Danielle Hunter, and they still have some other pieces on the defensive line. But also, Mackenzie Alexander, it's like a reunion reunion game, right? He's back <laughs> with the Vikings after one year with the Bengals. And this is both Trey Waynes and Riley Reef's first game for the Bengals, even though Waynes was signed last year. And they both come against their former team. So, a lot of reunions in this game, but I think even with the Mike Zimmer reunion, it will probably favor the offense more than the defense. Yeah, are we are we doing? Do you want to do predictions on, on oh, how God. these things shake out, or are we not? We're not doing that. You can do that. I'm saving it okay. until September. All right, all right. <laughs> yeah, we'll probably readdress things after training camp and everything, obviously. But right now, that that seems like maybe if this was on the road. Uh, I'd, I'd be a little more worried. That seems uh, like a a win to me, but again, there's a lot of moving parts there. How healthy is Joe Burrow? Did he get at least some time in the in the preseason and training camp? Uh, you know, how sharp will he be at that point? But 
overall that game I, it, I think it should be a competitive game there are some aspects that scare me but overall that seems like a winnable one as for the home opener for the Cincinnati Bengals to me the same thing can kind of be said even though it's on the road for the Bears you've got old friend Andy Dalton who by the way beat the Bengals last year as the Dallas Cowboys quarterback in relief for Dak Prescott in Cincinnati beat them soundly so a at least a feel-good story for Andy Dalton, not so much for the for the Bengals there. We think Andy Dalton's going to be the starter here. Who knows how much progress Justin Fields is going to make as a rookie. Either way, getting them early uh, could be a, a blessing for the Bengals on the road. The Bears' defense is good. The rest of the team is is you know a solid solid team. They just need to figure out quarterback. And, I, you know, this one doesn't – until they do and until one of those guys proves that they're going to be – whether you're getting Andy from 15 or if you're getting Justin Fields and he's going to be an immediate star, I don't know that I really see either of those scenarios happening by week two. So this one, even though on the road, seems like a winnable one to me. The Bears, I think on paper, don't scare a lot of people, especially with the idea of either Andy Dalton playing quarterback or – a very green Justin Fields who's either making his debut or his second career start. But the Bears defense, I think, is still pretty good. Like that defense has a pretty good secondary. It's a pretty good defensive line. Like I know they got rid of the cornerback Fuller, but the, I think they still have some pieces back there that can definitely, you know, make it hard for opposing offenses. Um, but <laughs> the whole quarterback situation is interesting. Like, I mean, we assume that Dalton is, is going to be the starter. But I look at the Chargers last season, right? Like Justin Herbert was just supposed to ride the bench for a, a decent time. He didn't play in the season opener against the Bengals last year, and the Bengals still lost to Tyrod Taylor. And then Tyrod Taylor was supposed to play the second game of that season. And then when being given a pain-killing shot, the, the, the team doctor punctured yeah. his lung. And next thing you know, Justin Herbert is out there for week two, and he goes toe-to-toe with the Kansas City Chiefs. So, you know, we have no idea if Justin Fields is going to be out there. It's, it's silly to you know, make predictions right now, but that very well could, could impact, you know, how the, how that game goes. Like I, I know Bengals, they don't have a great history of playing rookie quarterbacks. I think that has kind of skewed back into more of their favor in recent years. It used to be a pretty big problem back in the day, but Fields is a good quarterback. Even still though, he's a rookie and, you know, we don't know how quickly he's going to adjust into the NFL, but Playing the Bears on the road, still a decent defense. Uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be a close one. It's going to be competitive. Yeah, there there's going to be some. I mean, even going back to Week One, there there are you know a couple of veteran quarterbacks here back to back in the NFC North on the Bengals' schedule that could be you know feeling the heat from some some rookie quarterbacks here, Kellen Mond in Minnesota, and then of course Justin Fields in Chicago. Week three could be so the Bengals the Bengals could. Very well, go off to a 2-0 start here. If everything goes well, they show some maturity and things are things are going well for them. And then there might be a bit of a buzzsaw in week three at Pittsburgh. I know a lot of people are already saying Pittsburgh's not the same and, and Ben's not the same. For me, you're going to Heinz Field on the second of back-to-back road games. And... The Steelers got to prove to me that they aren't the Steelers. I think we saw a little bit of that towards the end of the season last year and maybe even starting with the Bengals win against them uh, on on Monday Night Football. But they're still the Steelers. They still got a lot of pieces in place. They still have the coaching staff in place. And so early in the season, maybe the Bengals figure some things out later in the season and get them when they come back around 
in Cincinnati. I just think that this is a, a pretty tough matchup, especially the second of two road games in a row. I, I'm, I'm a little worried about that one being a little bit of a buzzsaw. I, I'm still very un- – it, it's such a wild card to me trying to project who the Steelers are going to be early in the season. They can either be, again, like a, a team that is on the precipice of falling out or mm-hmm. the wheels will have already, will have already f- fell off at that point. Like, again, I don't think a lot of us expect them to be the Steelers of the old. They're going to run into some struggles this, struggles this year. I just don't know if it's a positive or a negative to play them this early because I, I think still as long as Tomlin's there, he's going to make them a, like a decent team. It's just like how decent can you be if Ben Roethlisberger at this point is your quarterback and they don't have any real receivers aside from Chase Claypool I don't think the Bengals are scared of Juju Smith, Juju Smith-Schuster anymore. Like, and he didn't, he barely did anything against them last year, even before he got, you know, put on blast by Von Bell. <laughs> like, and I guess we can look at the first two teams, compare them to the Steelers and how they handled the offseason. Right, the, the Vikings they drafted Christian Darrisaw and Wyatt Davis. Wyatt Davis, who I think a lot of Bengals fans would have preferred them to take in rounds two or three. They kind of rebuilt their offensive line. The Bears traded up in front of the Bengals after they traded back to take Tevin Jenkins. And I guess they're going to plan plan on playing him at left tackle, which is a bit unexpected. And you have the Steelers, who drafted a running back and a tight end to go to their offense that doesn't really have a competent offensive line right now. It just seems like they're on the brink of this collapse. And I don't know if that collapse is going to happen before or after when the Bengals play them. Or maybe the Bengals are the beginning of their collapse. I don't mm-hmm. think Bengals fans should be as scared of the Steelers team as they have in the past. With that said... It's a big test for their offensive line, the Bengals' offensive line. Maybe this is when they start, you know, getting getting some cohesion with each other, and they're going to need it because they still have T.J. Watt, they still have Cam Hayward, they still have a lot of pieces that can get after Joe Burrow. That's going to be a barometer game for the Bengals to keep using that term, and and to the specific point that you just brought up. You know, we can talk about yeah, Ben's not the same. The wide receivers may be a little overrated. Who knows how good Najee Harris is going to be right away. I think he's probably going to be pretty good. But the thing is, is the Steelers know know how to get after the quarterback, and they specifically know how to do it against Cincinnati. It's going to be a big barometer game for the Bengals if Jackson Carmen is in the lineup, if Riley Reef is is the starting right tackle, which we presume he is, Jonah Williams hopefully back healthy and, and in the lineup. And then, of course, you've got Quentin Spain perhaps playing his natural position at left guard and then you know, you've got hopefully Trey Hopkins back. So hopefully that's your offensive line look or something very similar to it. And how much, you know, with those three, you know, I guess offseason additions, Riley Reef, Quentin Spain, if you want to call him that, because he was on the team for half of last year. And then, of course, Jackson Carmen, if that's the route they go, that's going to be a, a big uh, showcase for them and how much this offensive line and how big of an effect Frank Pollock will have had on this team. So uh, right now, since it's on the road, I, I have that one down just preliminarily as a, as a loss. And look, we can say all we want about the fall of the Steelers, but Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season as Pittsburgh Steelers head coach. The worst he has gone is eight and eight. So uh, I, I guess there's a potential for that this year, given that there's a lopsided 17 games now, um, but that he could have a losing season. But, you know, to me, they always got to prove, 
prove me right or wrong in terms of how good or how bad they may be. We go to one of the more interesting games on the Bengals. I think this is going to be a fun one, regardless of the Mm -hmm. outcome, just because of the quarterbacks. Joe Burrow got his first career win as an NFL quarterback against Jacksonville last year. Uh, Came close against Philly and obviously the Chargers before that, but got his first win against Jacksonville. Obviously a different Jacksonville team. Made a lot of different offseason acquisitions. Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne, uh, you know, coming there with a lot of other players. And then, of course, facing off against Joe Burrow. So what do you think? What do you make of this one? I, I think it'll be fun to watch based on who's under center for both teams. So they're not the 2020 Jaguars who were just an abysmal team that got destroyed by the Bengals in the same week last year, week four. But they're, I don't know how much better they are. I think they're really banking on Trevor being the golden child that he's projected yeah. to be. And I, I, I have no, I have nothing bad to say about Trevor Lawrence. He, he could very well be the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. But I, I think that's actually a good comparison because the Colts put a lot on Luck as a rookie and as a young player and luck for the most part, you know, lived up to the hype and carried his, his part of the load. I think their biggest additions were Marvin Jones, former Bengal at receiver. They signed Shaquille Griffin at cornerback. They signed Roy Robertson Harris, a defensive tackle. They spent some money, but I don't know how much improved that they are. And I think a lot of that is going to depend on how quickly, how quickly can Lawrence get um, going here. And it, it's easy to just dismiss um, young teams on the road on Thursday night, and that's why the Bengals should be favored in this game. But again, how banged up are they going to be against the Steelers coming back to Cincinnati on three, four days rest? I think that is almost an equalizer that is going to make this game really fun and really close. The The other aspect is the primetime prime time aspect. And, uh, you know, I've kind of had this, I've held this stigma against the Bengals. You know, they don't play well. And ironically, last year in their two primetime games they had, they lost the one that Joe Burrow was healthy for, and they won the one he wasn't healthy for. So (laughs) this is their only one that, you know, the Bengals have on the slate this year, this Thursday nighter against, yes, Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I, I think that that should be a Bengals win just because a short week and home teams seem to kind of fare better there but wouldn't surprise me if Lawrence kind of balls out there and and you know kind of has his breakout game on primetime against the Bengals then we go to Green Bay this one again depending on the quarterback situation if it's Aaron Rodgers I tend to think that this is going to be not a great great one for the Bengals here uh if it's not Aaron Rodgers I heard some things today I think it was on Colin Cowherd's show talking with Chris Cooley who went to Utah State the same college that Jordan Love did and obviously he's got connections there and Cooley kind of said you know that the whole thing is there's there's kind of some there's a lot of growth that needs to take place with Jordan Love if he is going to be a starter in 2021 especially in the arena of verbiage and whatnot um, for for a quarterback to know in that offense so you know for me I'm I'm playing it as if this is Aaron Rodgers in the Green Bay Packers because that's where we're sitting right here and I think that this is going to be a not not so pretty one for the Bengals another potential buzzsaw game for them in week five it's definitely fun to assume that Jordan Love is going to be that quarterback um, it's just a, it's, it's a situation that we can't really predict and until something does change, I think we can just assume that Rodgers is going to is going to be there. But Devontae Adams, Robert Tonian, 
Alan Lazard, I guess. Like it, it's still an offense that Rodgers is going to have to carry in some degree. But I think Devontae Adams has a chance to really pop off in this game. Like through the early portion of the season, it's going to be a lot on Trey Wayne's being the cornerback that he's being advertised to be by the Bengals, right? How much of an impact is the loss of now, I guess, Bengals' least favorite former player of all time, William Jackson, as as that number one cornerback, right? And I, I think their defense is still intriguing. They have two great players in the secondary, and J- Jair Alexander and Adrian Amos. They just spent a first-round pick on cornerback Eric Stokes, but it, it really is Rodgers, right? And it, it's weird because each game that the that the Bengals have played against Rodgers and, and the Packers, it's it's end up being really close. And the only time that Rodgers won it was in overtime at Lambeau. So he comes back to Cincinnati. He has a team that is still going to be really competitive. But this is Joe Burrow's team now. This is the first time that these two quarterbacks are going to play, and maybe the only time in their careers that they're going to face off against each other. I think Burrow will be up for the challenge. And even though Green Bay was really good last year, I don't think it's it's going to. I don't think it's going to be as clear cut of a loss as I think Vegas might see it as there is the small chance scenario wherein Roger stays and there's just kind of this hangover uh, because of a, maybe a, you know, whatever attitude, you know, we're not privy to what's going on necessarily inside of that organization, but I guess there is a small chance scenario that, you know, even with Aaron Rodgers, they could have a down year just because of the, um, aura that comes with a disgruntled quarterback. I don't see that happening though. So um, I I don't see that going the Bengals way in week five, then week six at Detroit. I don't think, I think Detroit, you mentioned Marvin Jones left. They lost Kenny Galladay. They've, you know, they brought in uh, Amon Ross St. Brown in the draft and they, they made that trade. I think they downgraded a quarterback. I think Detroit at best, was treading water this offseason, at least from my mile high view of what they've what they've done or have not done. I see this even on the road. I see this as a very winnable game for the Bengals. Like the Lions, they should be scouting top quarterbacks of next year's draft. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. O- honestly, like they had a chance to draft Justin Fields. And who did they choose? Panay Sewell, who right mm-hmm. now has COVID and is not going to make the rookie minicamp, but He's projected as a starter right tackle because they still have Taylor Decker there. If Sam Herbert gets a sack against Sewell and Jamar Chase scores a touchdown, there is going to be so much serotonin from the entirety Mm. of the Bengals fan base. You're going to see lifelong Team Sewell people completely switch sides. But there's also going to be, I think, some contingent of people that are going to watch Sewell very closely. And if he has a really good game, he'll be like, see, see, see. And he's going to be playing Mm. next to Frank Ragnall, too. Like that's really all the lines have going for them though, because they're, they're, they're just not good and the Bengals should win this easily. Yeah. Maybe there's a, you know, a Trey Hendrickson matchup there or uh, you know, some other, like you said, rag now going up against some of these interior linemen that the Bengals have brought in over the past uh, couple of off seasons or this off season. So a winnable game there at Baltimore. We've talked about this. I don't know how much we want to go into it, but uh, I guess we should talk about it a little bit because we can gloss over the second one, uh, uh, the second game against Baltimore a little bit, but obviously a very tough game in Baltimore. The Bengals have to prove that they can at least keep this one close, especially on the road. And and if they do that, I think a lot of people say, Hey, this team is is showing the growth that's needed. They've really, really narrowed the margin of talent and, you know, perceived talent between 
the division big boys and themselves. Bengals need to have a good showing here, I think. And and I'm being optimistic and rosy so far. I think I've got in these first six games potentially three or four wins for the Bengals. And you know, if that if that is the opposite, the Bengals are sitting on one or two wins at this point, and you go to Baltimore and get your heads beat in. I don't know. That that's not going to be good for Zach Taylor, I don't think. There is no weakness on this Ravens team. If you want to potentially say linebacker, I guess, but that's still with a growing and potentially improving Patrick Queen. It like I, I remember in the early in the offseason, you know, I, I think there was a good portion of Bengals fans that that were saying, punt on defense, just build around Burrow, don't worry about it. The Bengals did not do that. And I think because they still had week 17 of last season just burned into their minds and almost allowing a franchise record 500 rushing yards against the Ravens to close out the season, a game that probably should have gotten Lou Anarumo fired. So what did they do? They attacked defense again in free agency. They made sure that they're not going to go into the season with two healthy defensive tackles. And then after they drafted Jamar Chase, four defensive linemen, the most stereotypical nose tackle you've ever seen in Tyler Shelvin. <laughs> they know that Lamar Jackson and J.K. Dobbins have the chance to just run over any team that they face. They do it their way, right? And they're trying to modernize. They're trying to get more talent at the receiver position because they know that the team goes as far as Lamar Jackson's arm goes. But this is still an opportunity for the Ravens to be who they want to be in the regular season. And it's it's like the Bengals, they cannot get steamrolled again. Like it, they, they, they simply can't. And I think they realized that and they did a lot to try to prevent that. And this is going to be one of the first games to really test how much are these investments on defense going to pay off? Agreed. Let's move to week eight at New York. It seems to me that the feeling of the Jets, John, is kind of where the Bengals were maybe last year, maybe the year before, but new quarterback, new coach. They uh, drafted a wide receiver last year, drafted another wide receiver this year, and Sam Darnold's got to be going, where, where was all that help that you <laughs> – an offensive line and all this kind of stuff. So, I, look, I, I still think they're, that this is another very winnable game for the Bengals. Uh, Zach Wilson could surprise and and be the next star quarterback in the NFL, but I, I still think you know this is kind of one of those sim- very similar to year one or year two – under Zach Taylor with the Bengals, wherein they're trying to build something, they're purging the roster, rebuilding it, got a new coach in, and trying to make the team in his image. It's very similar to the Bengals' offensive line getting an overall boost from going from Jim Turner to Frank Pollock. Like, that's the boost that the entire Jets team should have going from Adam Gase to Robert Sala. For some reason, I've, I was always cautiously optimistic about the Jets for the last couple of seasons for no valid reason because Adam Gase was still there and he's still just mm-hmm. destroying the team and, and just purging it of talent for draft picks. Now they have a objectively a more talented quarterback, I guess, than Zach Wilson over Sam Darnold. And they have a coach that a lot of people like in Robert Sala. Like how quickly is that process? Is that project going to turn into some progress, but still they're the jets. They still have a lot to prove. They don't have, the most talented defense. They still don't really have a pass rusher that they can rely on unless that becomes Carl Lawson, who, again, there's, there's a revenge game in there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, the Jets were also looking at Trey Hendrickson, so there's some type of aspect with, with there as well. And then you have Frank Pollock, again, going from Detroit, or excuse me, New York's offensive line back to the Bengals. How is that going to impact it? How are they going to stop Carl Lawson in that matchup? It's like 
still they're the Jets and they still have a lot to prove. So, you know, you think it's just a win, but this is the third consecutive road game. And I think that, again, there's a lot of equalizers in the schedule. And I think that's another thing that's going to potentially impact it. Like, are they going to be worn out from this three game road stretch? Are they going to look at the Jets as just this non-factor team? It could be their trap game on the schedule. Yep. That's, that's a good point. Then they go back home right before the bye, and they host the Cleveland Browns. We've talked a bit about how we feel that the Cleveland Browns are a well-rounded team. Baker Mayfield has had basically made his career against the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, he's been outstanding against the team because the Browns have been able to run the football, and they've set up play-action pass, rollouts, boots, all that kind of stuff that plays right into Baker Mayfield's wheelhouse, and he is able to wing the ball down the field. So the Browns have had some of their best games under Baker Mayfield against the Bengals. The Bengals host them after a three-road game streak there. This one could be tough, John. The Browns are just better than the Bengals until they're not. That's just the that's just the reality that we have to accept until it changes, like – it's the same. It's the same with the Ravens. Like they're they're just they're just better. And the Bengals kept it close last year at home, but it was close up to the point where Baker Mayfield completed like twenty three consecutive passes. Like I, I, again, I, like those games, they they're remembered within that locker room, within that coaching staff. They don't want to have to do that again. And you mentioned yeah. the the Thursday night game in week two. Like th- there were signs in that game where you're thinking, okay, like. The, the, the Joe Burrow mentality, it, it, it's different than what it was under Andy Dalton and Marvin Lewis. This team is not scared of the bright lights. You know, they're going toe-to-toe against the, this offense that is steamrolling their defense. But still, like, that was the reason why they lost that game. You know, the Bengals scored 31 points in that game. They gave up, like, 200 or almost 300 rushing yards against the Browns and Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. That offensive line, it hasn't gotten worse. Like, Chubb and Hunt, they're still there. They still have the chance to just run all, run all over them and, again, back to those investments that they made at the defensive line. How much is that going to impact this game? And until Baker Mayfield plays bad against this team, it's like, it's, it's tough to see them winning on paper until they prove it. Can they close? Can the Bengals close? Because if you remember in the rematch, John, it was the game that OBJ got hurt. The Bengals had that one kind of wrapped up until the final minute there. And the defense led up a couple of big plays to Baker and then Cleveland snuck out a win. Right. So can the, can the Bengals close there? Yeah. It's stopping the run. Can they close uh, the two games last year were close. I know the Bengals, you could argue on the Thursday night game, they kind of had to play catch up. Maybe there were some garbage points there, but it still was a, a one possession game. So can the Bengals close and, and, you know, if they do have a lead against these teams, particularly Cleveland and others in the division, that's the question. Of course, you've got the bye right smack in the middle of week 10, we had that edited there. Okay, and then you go week 11 at Las Vegas, wherein potentially myself and many other Bengals fans will potentially be there in person. Uh, that's, the, that's the goal there. But I I can't figure out the Raiders. I, I can't figure out this team. They, they start off kind of competitive. They hang within the division, and then they, they collapse towards the end of, of a season. They lose games they shouldn't, and then they've purged – their roster of some talented offensive linemen over the over this last offseason here. I can't figure this team out. I can't figure out how winnable this game is. I'm not tremendously worried about the Raiders if I were the Bengals. I, like it, It's weird. You talk about the Bengals neglecting their offensive line. 
I don't know what you call what the Raiders did the offensive line this offseason. The only thing that they did was they drafted Alex Leatherwood in the first round because they were pretty confident that teams behind them were going to target him in the 20s. And I guess they re-signed Richie Incognito. Like they extended Colton Miller, who's apparently become a decent to above average left tackle against all odds. And they have right now on paper some liabilities at center and right guard. So it's a mostly new group blocking for Derek Carr, who's really like is he Andy Dalton 2.0 at this point like he's like more talented than Dalton ever was but he's still like established himself as that just threshold of yeah yeah not not being the quarterback but not being the quarterback that's going to tank you and like this this like that offense is really just Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs like like Henry Ruggs is, is fast but he's not proven and like that I guess they signed um, John Brown in free agency as well. And that defense is still trash on paper. Like they've done Mm -hmm. nothing really to improve it. They've done nothing ever since they traded away Clue Mack to that pass rush. They've signed Yannick Ngakwe, but I mean, he's not the same player that he was in Jacksonville. I don't think this is a very talented team. And by this point in the season, like some things could have fallen apart for them. I I think the Bengals should feel pretty comfortable coming off a bye week against Las Vegas. Yeah, and we'll let you know if, uh, you know, myself, John, whoever else is out there, we'd love to meet up with folks. And, hey, there may be an opportunity also that I would go out to a Cincinnati game too. So we'll, we'll talk about that and we'll we'll get involved with some of our listeners and other Bengals fans if we do that. But moving on, we don't have to talk much. And, and for the sake of time here, we're, we won't talk too much about Pittsburgh because we talked quite a bit at length uh, it, it, in the first go around. This is the first rematch on the schedule here for the Bengals in week 12. Uh, I, I have the Bengals kind of splitting this one. I don't, I don't think they're sweeping Pittsburgh personally, but um, I have the Bengals splitting it in some fashion between these two games personally. And for, for, you know, a lot of the reasons that we've talked about, I don't know if you have any other additional thoughts, this being at home in week 12. You think they trade for Ryan Finley just for this game? <laughs> uh, Ryan Finley, the, the, the Monday night legend, right? Uh, I wish I had that graphic of, of him tackled grinning, you know, I wish I had that to queue up, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Do you, I mean, do you think the Bengals at least split with them this year? I think they win one just like, yeah. I mean, I didn't expect them to win one last year, but they did by against yeah. all odds. Um, yeah. hopefully Burrow is able to play in both these games th- this time. I, I really want to see him, you know, in a situation where they can be competitive because that first game against Steelers last year was so bizarre. Like yeah. they weren't like, it was a lot of just, just dumb mistakes, not necessarily be, because of, of Burrow or the defense. It was just a lot of stuff that just happened to go wrong. And then the game kind of went lopsided and then we're thinking, okay, well, you know, that game didn't go in their favor, but they're, they're definitely like the Steelers are not as good as they were um, compared to their record. And they, and they can have another chance to come back, against them when when burrow plays him at home he never played him at home so this is the, the first time that he gets to make that statement in paul Ryan stadium against that team week 13 another one that a lot of people have circled because the two top quarterbacks of last year's class uh justin herbert and joe burrow i remember justin herbert's name are you impressed um <laughs> long-haired quarterback in la uh Bengals hosting them Another really exciting game. You mentioned last year the Bengals hosted the Chargers again, but 
they had Tyrod Taylor playing, not Justin Herbert. So should be an interesting one here. Coin flip game for me in terms of who wins or loses this one. Big year for me for Justin Herbert, though, because this is a year where he could either prove a lot of people right or a lot of people wrong. And, uh, you know, how much will other teams be able to catch up with what he can and or potentially cannot do? Um, second year is a big year for him. Mo Egger of ESPN fifteen thirty. He also he's a contributing writer for the Athletic. He put out a great piece on the Bengals and Chargers building around their rookie, their young quarterbacks in different philosophical ways. Because the Chargers they didn't do much to improve um, Herbert's receiving core, but they went all out to improve his offensive line. Right? They signed Matt Filer, Corey Lindsley. They drafted Rashawn Slater. They did more or less exactly what some Bengals fans wanted the Bengals to do with Joe Burrow and but that's going to be an interesting dynamic to follow. But at the same time, Justin Herbert now has a new quarterbacks coach. He has a new offense coordinator. He has a new head coach. He's in what could be a new offense. And I really do think that the Justin Herbert that we saw in 2020 was very much in part due to the fact that Pep Hamilton was his quarterbacks coach. Now he's in Houston under that dumpster fire of an organization. Mm-hmm. I don't know what Justin Herbert we're going to see because the Herbert we saw in 2020, it was spectacular in some ways. It was not the Herbert we saw in Oregon. It just wasn't. Like, he was almost a completely different person. And you're right. Like, it, it's such a huge monumental year to see if he progresses from that and gets even more consistent or if some of those weaknesses that we saw from Oregon start to creep back up because he's getting different coaching, he's in a new scheme, he's in a new system. He's not going to be under pressure as much as he was last year because that offensive line has improved on paper, but... It's going to be like week 12, week 13 into the season. Like some things can either be stable or, again, some things could be falling apart. So it's the first time we're going to see Burrow against one of his peers because last season, obviously, Tyrod Taylor played, and then Burrow wasn't healthy for the Dolphins game when Tua played. So this is really that first game of the beginning of what could be a great rivalry for years to come. Back-to-back draft classes filled with very, very talented talented quarterbacks you got joe burrow you had tua and then you had justin herbert going last year and then of course trevor lawrence zach wilson trey lance and you know uh, what was there five in this year's first round that went and and fields yeah and by the way the Bengals have a chance to see a lot of those names depending on how things play out including in week 14 against the San Francisco 49ers, another team kind of like the bears where they've got this like really good roster around and they got to figure out what they're doing at quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo had a, a great season a couple of years ago when the, the 49ers made that Super Bowl run. Not so much uh, last year. There are some problems causing them to, to go in the direction of Trey Lance this year. Who knows at this point in the season, we may be seeing Trey Lance in this game, John. I, I think that's the expectation. Like there's, some pretty well-connected people that were convinced that Jimmy was either going to be traded during the draft or at the very least traded before the season. Um, and that, like, I would be more concerned about a Trey Lance led offense than a Jimmy Garoppolo led offense. It, it's there's so much speed to account for in Ayuk and, and Debo Samuel and George Kittle. Like the 49ers were bad last year, not because like people underperformed, they were bad because they were injured all over the place. Like they're going to get Nick Bosa coming back on the defense line. They still have Eric Armstead. They still have Javon Kinlaw. They ha- they re-signed um, James Verrett. They have the best linebacker in the NFL, and Fred Fred Warner. It's a talented overall team with really good coaching in Kyle Shanahan. And now he has a quarterback that 
is, is intellectually capable of running an offense as a rookie, and he has all the talent in, talent in the world at San Francisco. This is going to be a tough ass game. Yeah, it would it will be a tough one. I don't really see this one going the Bengals' way, even though it is at home. You've got the next week. Oh yeah, at, at home. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. You got the next week at Denver. Um, it's okay, John. I I brain farted the first right. overall. It's pick right. In it's right in front draft. of me. And I still got it. Uh, well, I, I mean, I brain farted the first overall pick, dude. Don't even worry about it. Uh, so the Bengals go at. They go to Denver. This is one where I think that the Bengals should win. It's tough to travel there, tough to play there, particularly this time of year. But um, and then of course you got to figure out what what Denver is going to be doing at quarterback. Is Drew Locke going to be the guy, or will they have made a move potentially for Aaron Rodgers at that point? Who knows? They've got a lot of receiving weapons on that team, be it at tight end or at wide receiver. So kind of a tough matchup, but a game I think the Bengals could, could, and maybe even should win. I think it's very similar to the the Vikings game. Only it's on the roads. It's two offenses that are really stacked and have the potential to just score a lot of points. It, It, like the Drew Lock factor is such a wild card to me. I don't know if he's good or not. Like I thought he was good at the end of his rookie year, and then he went through some injuries last year, and it was the whole thing. And I still don't know if they're pretty confident in him going forward. But it like like you said, it's it's just a talented team throughout the entire roster. They just don't like. I mean, Bradley Chubb is good, but he's not Von Miller, and I think Von Miller is expected to be back and healthy at that point. Like they have a talented secondary. They just went out and got a bunch of cornerbacks, including the ninth overall pick in Patrick Sertain. So, yeah, that matchup between Jamar Chase and Sertain is going to be interesting. And a, a receiving core that looks kind of similar to the Bengals, right? Jerry mm-hmm. Judy, Corlin Sutton, KJ Hamler, Noah yep. Fan at tight end. Like it, it's a talented team. It's just a matter of is if Burrow just completely outclasses Drew Locke, it still might not matter. Even though playing at Denver any time in the year, and especially late in the year when it gets cold, it's going to be tough. Yeah. Yeah. Seems like a winnable one, at least at this point in time, even though it could be a tough one though. And in that pass rush, you mentioned they'll be testing the Bengals offensive line and those new additions for sure. Well, just for the sake of time, we're going to kind of gloss through the second Baltimore game since we've talked about that a bit, but it could be depending on where the Bengals are at this point in time, it could mean quite a bit. Uh, I, I personally have the Bengals um, in, in a little bit of a spoiler alert, I guess. I have them splitting with Pittsburgh. I have them getting swept by Baltimore at this point in time. Um, you know, maybe maybe just based on what I've seen from them in the Zach Taylor era uh, and, and against Lamar Jackson. So I don't expect this one to really go their way, but another b- barometer game for the Bengals and one that um, – could mean something depending on how successful they may end up being through the first uh, two thirds of the schedule, I guess. It's this three week stretch is just brutal. brutal. Like it, yeah. it, it's they're they're either going to be in the playoff mix or they're going to be out. But again, I, I still don't see them like uh, if they're if they're bad again and they play Baltimore, Kansas City, Cleveland. It's just hard for me to to see that going the way that it went last year where they just surprise people and win two out of their last three, even though one of those was against Houston. That's the whole thing. But again, it's Baltimore, man. Like stop the run, limit Lamar and, and limit the pass rush as much as possible. Be competitive. Like do, do something that you haven't done in the last two, three years. Like yeah. it's as simple as that. Health will be key. 
health will be key and the ability to be able to rotate the players you want to rotate up front on defense will be key. And the Bengals have not been able to do that against Baltimore. They haven't been really healthy. They haven't had a lot of the players that supposedly they had coveted, at least in that very first year with Zach Taylor. So now they've got a lot of their guys, quote unquote, especially up front on defense, and they need to stay healthy. They need to have an effective rotation to neutralize that offensive attack by Baltimore. Kansas City, this seems like another buzzsaw game, even though it is at home. Patrick Mahomes and company coming to town. I don't know how the Bengals – I mean, basically it seems like the Bengals got to score at least 50 in this one. It's going to be – I I mean, I say that jokingly, but kind of (laughs) seriously. No, like it's going to be – January 3rd, the Chiefs are used to playing in the cold, so it's not going to matter that much. But they're presumably going to be clinching either a division title. Maybe they've already clinched the division, and they're going to be trying to clinch that one bye. So, like, the Chiefs, they're not going to be packing it in unless they already have it clinched, and therefore it, it could give the Bengals an opportunity here. But it, it's, it, it is like the barometer for what they want to do, what they want to be, right? They're not going to be – they're not going to play the Bills this year unless they make the playoffs and they face them, but they're going to be playing the Chiefs. They drafted Jamar Chase to have an offense that can compete with any offense in the league. This is the golden standard right here, and you have them at home. Last time you had them at home, you you beat them in that crazy game back in 2015. Last time the, the, the team was good. Like It's a game that's going to matter, and maybe they are competitive, or maybe they even beat Baltimore the week before, and they have that confidence going in. If they're in the playoff race and they're facing a team that they they would probably expect to have to go through in the playoffs, if they do make it, it's going to be such an important game. It's probably going to be the toughest game on their schedule. Yep. And then they finish up at Cleveland, another very tough game. Who knows what, you know, are, are guys resting if you're the Cleveland Browns and they've had a successful season where injuries for both of these teams, you know, obviously the NFL in recent years, really kind of over the past decade or so, I guess, uh, have, has made it, it made an initiative to end team schedules with a, a division game to kind of make it mean more. So, you know, the Bengals have – been close with the Browns. Uh, it's just for me. I have the Bengals going two and four in the division, uh, at least at this point in time. When I look at the schedule, so that would be splitting with Cleveland for me, splitting with Pittsburgh, and then being swept by the Ravens. Not still not good enough within that division if you're Zach Taylor and company. But I guess it's an improvement, and uh, that's kind of where I have things. Whether it's they win this last one, kind of win it for the coach type of thing, or maybe the Bengals are in it and they they win it for a, for a, an unlikely playoff spot, but that's kind of where I, where I have things at least within the division. And we haven't even talked about this there. There's only one primetime game on the schedule and it's mm-hmm. week four against the Jags, like Baltimore, Kansas city, Cleveland. Like if the Bengals are in the playoff mix, like any of those three, maybe all of those three could get flexed in, into a, a primetime slate. And, and now mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it starts this year, but uh, under the new CBA, like Monday night games can eventually be flexed again. I don't know if that is official for the 2021 season, but these, like these games have the potential to be viewed by more than just the, the local audience. And those, again, those three teams are going to be in the mix and it's a chance for the Bengals to get back under the primetime lights. And if they're good and they have Burrow there, like they're, they're going to be ready for it. Like I, it's, it's going to be the true test to see how much different this era of Bengals football is from years past and 
normally a game against the Browns at Cleveland to finish off the season, it didn't mean that much, but the Browns are right now the, the co-favorites, if you will, with the Ravens, and it could be a chance for them to play spoiler or to sneak into the playoffs. If you're asking, you know, a lot of fans or listeners of the show are probably asking us or me, you know, where do you have them right now? And now that the schedule's out and how it's played out and everything that you've seen so far and, and all of that, there is a lot to play out in terms of injuries, recovery, all of that kind of stuff. Maybe the Bengals are a lot better than we think. Maybe they're a lot worse than we think. You know, all of these kind of factors, some of the same thing could be said. Maybe some of these teams are worse than we think. They're better than we think. Right now, I just kind of did a rough wins and losses based on what we talked about, went through kind of game by game here. I have the Bengals at either 8-9 and nine or 9-8, nine and eight, John. Um, so right around 500. I don't know what that's going to do for them in terms of a playoff picture. I know they expanded the, the playoff brackets and whatnot. So, you know, maybe that puts them in one of those lower spots, a wild card spot, but that's kind of where I had it based on what we've been talking about and how we, you know, a preliminary look at the schedule here and what we now know about the Bengals roster. It's tough to predict a clear winning season when you're not confident that they can go above 500 in their own division. I yep. believe it, I think it was 2013 where they went 11 and five, but they only went three and three in the, in the division. Like that's, that's more or less an outliner, right? It, like you don't expect to go eight and two in out of, in out of division games, especially when you play the chiefs, you play the Packers, you're on the road against, um, I, I, you're on the road against the Broncos. You play the 49ers. Like it, it's, it's going to be tough to see them eclipse 10. I think if everything go, if they stay healthy, and everything goes right, like yeah, that, that's in the range of possibilities. But it, it, it's at this point in time, it it's hard to see them like better than second in the division. And it's going to be again a competitive division, even if the Steelers are the worst team in the division. You don't expect them to to be like four and thirteen bad. You would still expect them to be in that six to seven win range, which it, it kind of hurts the rest of the division, right? And it's what we kind of saw last year because they had three teams make the playoffs but no team had more than 11 wins so the other team kind of heard the others in terms of their overall record so i think eight or nine on a positive sense it, it, it makes some sense it, it's eventually when, when they have the over under at six and a half for this team eventually they have to hit the over right like it, eventually it has to happen right they're not going to have too many injuries eventually it just and, and until that until that does happen it's hard to it's hard to see it go the other way so I think eight or nine is perfectly fine on the optimistic side right now. And when you say perfectly fine, I, I'm, I'll, I'll pin you to the wall here, I guess. It, when you say perfectly fine, is that is that good enough, you think, for Zach Taylor to earn another year? Is that good enough for, you know, kind of keeping the, the gang back together? Or is that kind of dependent upon, you know, a, a disparity between offensive performance, defensive performance, all that kind of stuff. But I mean, I guess from a step back, big picture macro perspective, when you, if, if this team goes eight and nine, nine and eight in the third year under Zach Taylor with Joe Burrow in the whole season, is that good enough for you for another shot at this thing? If they go eight and if they go eight and nine and say they like, they're at eight and six, right. And they have the chance to be that six or seventh wildcard team. And then they lose two of the last three or all three. I think that definitely has an impact with, with that. It's like the opposite of a dead cat bounce at that point. But on the surface, I think eight and nine or nine and eight 
would be enough for the Bengals to keep Zach Taylor around for year three. I think yeah. if he finishes worse or the same as the last two years, if he if he doesn't eclipse five wins, it it almost seems like yeah they're going to probably fire him and yeah. look for something else because there's yeah. just too many winnable games in the first part of the season to finish that poorly from an overall record standpoint. He's probably going to get to the bye with at least four wins and be four and five. And it's really about taking advantage of those home games and being competitive against those really good teams. Josh Cook here says, it feels like everyone was flying high with optimism after the draft and the schedule drop brought everyone back down to earth. I mean, I think it just, I don't know if that's actually, I mean, I guess there's a little bit of that, but I think just it, when you see the teams there, it reminds you, oh, yeah, they got to play Baltimore twice. Oh, yeah, they got to play Kansas City. They got to play Green Bay. These are teams that have been in deep into the playoffs in championship games in the Super Bowl in recent years. So <laughs> when you got all those teams on the same yearly annual schedule, it just kind of, you know, it brings things into perspective. You've got a quarterback returning from injury. You've got a coach who has six wins and a tie in two seasons. You know, I, I mean, I think good things are ahead for the Bengals this year. I, I think it's just, you know, if we're talking, you know, a 12 win season in 2021, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if we're living in, in reality at this point. They have to prove it. We, yeah. they, they have earned no benefit of the doubt to say, yeah, they're 12 and five, they're 11 and six, right? This there's, they still finished last in the division. They're still yeah. clearly behind two of those teams in the division, even though they on paper eclipsed the Steelers they still have to win those games. They have to earn that trust that they had in the early 2010s. And that's, I guess, the the enemy of blind optimism behind orange colored glasses. But like they have winnable games on the schedule and they have the chance to start off good. They have to do it before they, they get that trust back. Yeah. Well, we've gone on long, but it's been a, a big night. You know, we had the, the marathon draft show. Now we've had a longer one for the schedule drop. It's one of the bigger events on the Bengals offseason calendar and the NFL offseason calendar. So thank you all for sticking with us. We're going to get on out of here. John, let's drop the mic and get out of here. What what final thoughts do you have for us, my friend? So just a quick announcement. Um, Cincy Jungle has the opportunity and have, we have the opportunity to be the official media sponsor of the Joe Mixon Youth football pro camp it's coming back to the cincinnati area this year the last year obviously with covid was a whole thing but um from june 12th to 13th uh mixon's camp will be held at sycamore high school which if you guys are familiar with the area it's about 15 miles north of downtown cincinnati and if any of our listeners they they have a child from ages or in grades one through eight and they want to sign up for the camp you can use the promo code jungle to get 10 percent off but Great opportunity for us to be partnered with Pro Camps. It's been around for the last 20 or so years. I, this camp used to be, I, I think, AJ Green and Joe Mixon's camp, and now it's just really Joe Mixon's camp because Green is in Arizona. But I had the chance to go there a, a couple of years ago and interview Mixon. It's a great time. You know, you have you know kids running all over the field, learning just overall fundamental football skills. Since Jungle is the official media sponsor of the event, and uh, definitely check out the, the post on Cincy Jungle to get 10% off if you sign your child up. Yeah, good stuff. And uh, I know we're working with some representation there and and uh, developing a, a good relationship there. So that's awesome. And, you know, I don't have much else other than, you know, 2021 is not only about growth, but it's about rapid growth for the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, it, 
like we said, we need to see some marked improvement, not just a, another win or two here or there, I think, to to placate the fan base. I think there needs to be a lot more wins there. And hopefully, hopefully things are trending that way. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Whether you're joining us live, you can join us every live episode on Cincy Jungle's Facebook page on its Twitter account, our Orange and Black Insider Twitter account at Bengals OBI or our YouTube channel. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel at that icon right under John's left shoulder there. You can click that to subscribe. And if you like the Cincy Jungle Facebook page, if you subscribe to those channels, you get notified when new material is out as well as when we take the air live. So please do so. We appreciate the support. And as always, if you can't join us live, you can get the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Megaphone, really wherever you get your audio podcasts, check us out. Uh, subscribe to it, leave a review. We appreciate the support. For John Sheeran, I'm Anthony Cazenza. We're going to get on out of here. Hopefully you've enjoyed the 2021 schedule release show. John, have a good week, bud. You as well, man. All right. Take it easy.